But you passed the test. Don't ever invite a vampire into your house, you silly boy. It renders you powerless. Did you know that? Of course. Everyone knows that. Has everyone gone crazy here? What's the matter with all of you? It was you I was after all along, Lucy. What? I knew that if I could get Sam and Michael into the family, there's no way you could say no. Where's Michael? It was all going to be so perfect, Lucy. Just like one big happy family. Your boys. And my boys. Great. The blood-sucking Brady Bunch. But I still want you, Lucy. <laughs> I haven't changed my mind about that. I didn't invite you this time, Max. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie Third. I'm Jack Allison. And I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And uh, today we're uh, doing our special, you know, our annual Halloween deep dive, which is, of course, our 31 Days of Horror episode, where we picked 31 movies to, you know, to thrill and chill and mm-hmm. horrify you at uh, for you to watch along with us. As opposed to, you know, the 365 days of horror that you live with, you know, all the time, <laughs> basically. Yeah. We live in the scariest country yeah. in the world. Look away so, from, from the hell unfolding outside your window and into the TV at uh, uh, at just, you know, uh, a comforting horror. At comforting horror. <laughs> as opposed to the um, non-comforting horror yeah, non-comforting that's, on, C- that's horror. on CNN. Yeah. I mean, we're we're recording this the day of the Kavanaugh hearing, and I actually do feel relief. I've been watching this all day. I'm like, wow, I can like turn away my eyes from like actually some of the most horrendous footage yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, like you, this, this is worse than like 120 days of Sodom. To right? Watch you know today. what? You know what would be comforting after this Kavanaugh hearing is Saw Two. <laughs> yeah, really. Like I would. I think I just would like to like wa- uh, like smash my head into the ground. Is, is what Oof. might be comforting after this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Right. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, so let's got, dive in. Yeah, we yeah. got the list up. Uh, you yeah. can uh, look along, play along. We're just going to be talking about our picks, why we picked them. Sure. Just giving you a kind of an overview about, you know, some of our favorite horror movies and why we're going to watch them this year. Yeah, and you can check that out at letterboxd.com. There's no E in there. Slash yeah. struggle session. And uh, you'll, you'll get both lists. You get last year's 31 days list as well as this new guy. It's a modern website, so it does not have the E. It goes basically without saying. Right. Uh, it's cool, actually. I mean, something had to replace IMDb in the community there once Amazon took it over. Yeah. All right. So should we go – what what order should we go? Should we go chronological, reverse chronological? Should we go – we're going in the order of the one, two, three th- – um, okay. In the order. We're going in the order, hey, order. Don't, don't we got in feel, big trouble. Let's not, big let's not trouble. forget what happened with the Aliens episode. Yeah, we got in big, big trouble. We we uh, we caught a lot of flack for going out of chronological order. <laughs> uh, and we'll do it again. But for this one, we're just going to go in one, two, three, four, five order. Okay. okay. See if everyone's happy with that. We'll see the, the comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and first pick uh, is you, Jack. Well, uh, uh, I pick Scream uh, uh, as the first pick of the 31 Days of Horror 2018. And, you know, I, I guess I just have to, you know, out myself as while I like horror movies, I guess I, I don't think that I have as deep a bench as probably JDB and Leslie do. I I, I fear that my picks on this, this year's list uh, uh, are maybe kind of normie, but... I think that's maybe I was I'm a little bit excited about that. Like I actually haven't watched Scream in a very long time, but what I remember of it, I think it's actually like kind of uh, uh, an interesting way to uh, uh, tell a, a horror movie, and kind of did uh, what Cabin in the Woods did long before Cabin in the Woods existed, and well, maybe and, more cleverly. Uh, and part yeah, of what's so yes. cool about what Wes, Wes Craven is that Wes Craven 
was the master of deconstructing his own work. I mean, not mm-hmm. just with Scream, but with New Nightmare as well. This is a guy who not only understood slasher films, but understood why people like them. And I think Scream is not just a love letter to horror movies, but to horror audiences as well. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a comedy. If I, because again, I'm not like uh, uh, I, I'm excited actually to give it a rewatch. But it has comedy elements in it, which is why I actually think it's kind of funny. I actually don't mind. Some, I don't mind the first scary movie, but it is kind of funny that it's a parody movie of what was kind of a parody movie to begin with. Right. I would say I actually really love Scream. It was one of my favorite. It was it was my favorite movie for years for years um i actually don't think it's a parody i think it's just a really well good just a really it's like the perfect teen slasher it's like the perfection of it yes it has comedy in it but i don't really think Think of of it it as as a comedy because all the comedy is like natural it's things that would happen it's not just it's it's how teenagers might talk to each other you know maybe with a little bit of extra polish and flair but like it is like just teenagers fucking around with each other how teenagers fuck around with each other and that's why i really like the movie i'm like i really think the horror elements are like when people talk about it they really underplay that it's just like a brutal slasher film like the first scene where you see drew barrymore's guts hanging out that's just good horror that's not a parody that's just fucking good horror so um i'm i very much approve of this pick jack Uh, it's a very good one i'm excited to give it a rewatch i've like have been meaning to rewatch and that will also be a theme of my list of like i've I've been wanting to watch this one again so i put it on for this month (laughs) cool cool (laughs) all right moving on to pick number two um shivers so last year i picked rabbit which i thought was shivers so this time (laughs) i'm actually gonna pick uh shivers which is of course a classic David Cronenberg do it. He did like two kind of like zombie uh, movies. This is the first one. This is I think this is his first um, feature film, and mm-hmm. it's just cool. It's just it's just a really good like low budget but financed by the Canadian government like horror movie. David Cronenberg knows what he's doing. I love all his early stuff. I could have picked The Brood. I could. I think last year I did Videodrome, and I have another pick from him coming up. But like, I think his like his early run of horror is just pretty much impeccable. Yeah, and you know, just, all of his movies are actually funded by the Canadian government, right? Yeah, like even till now. Yeah, that's oh, the wow. incredible thing. That's the incredible thing about being a filmmaker in a country right. that that respects art. I gotta get my <laughs> dual citizenship and finally get to make a TV show. That's the only <laughs> way I'll ever get to make a TV show if I can get my Canadian dual citizenship. That's it. I mean, you, it's the only path. <laughs> it's the same thing with the the UK and filmmakers. They have the lottery, and uh, yeah. it's a it's a beautiful thing. It makes me very jealous. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, next up is The Devil's Backbone, which I deeply, deeply love. It's a Guillermo del Toro film. It's in Spanish with subtitles, and it takes place uh, sort of uh, towards the end or right after the Spanish Civil War mm-hmm. where fascism has come, and it takes place in an orphanage. And uh, it's about this kid who is in this orphanage, and there's a lot of problems there. There's abuse. There's neglect. It's underfunded, but there's also a bomb that's just about to go, and and this bomb's just been sitting there undetonated, and, and everyone just has to deal with it. So there's this sort of Damocles hanging above uh, all these kids and all the staff at this orphanage, and uh, the main character— uh, uh, JDB, I want to stop you right there, because okay. this is very— a very complicated plot for a horror movie already. I'm yes. sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. You don't have to say anymore. Anytime, because for most most horror films, like the only thing you can say is like, all right, this woman moves into the house and there's a ghost there. And like, that's the plot of the film. But like, well, that, yeah. there's a lot going yeah. on here. Yeah. There's a I, lot I'm, going it on. It's awesome. It's, I think it's actually, it's my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie. Uh, most people like Pan's Labyrinth better. I actually think The Devil's Backbone is a better film because uh, Pan's Labyrinth plays up the fantasy with, you know, the, the the horror elements, and Devil's Backbone is just a pure, scary film. And, uh, yeah, can't recommend it enough. Ghost cool. Story. Cool, cool. All right, and up next... Um had to do it to him, Evil wow. Dead. Um, yeah. I, I, this was actually in response to Jack picking Evil Dead 2. I'm like, wow. I have Evil Dead 1 on there because I actually think Evil Dead is the superior well, film. Okay. I think I think Ooh. it's very underrated because, it, uh, again, okay. 
Uh, well, you, you can make your case later. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just want to say, like, I, I think Evil Dead is just a better film. I think there's something pure about it. And it really is just a straight up horror film, which is really brutal, really gross. And it doesn't become like the kind of Looney Tunes thing that right. Evil Dead uh, becomes later. You don't like Raimi at his campiest. Not really. Not well in Xena, I did, but maybe not in, um, uh, not in horror. Not but you're in horror. not like an Army of Darkness guy. No, I didn't really well, like Army of Darkness. I do like the Evil Dead TV show. I think they strike a really good balance there. Well, I'll say that I too am not the biggest fan of Army of Darkness, but I think that Evil Dead Two, which is the next film on the list, that's right. You're watching two Evil Deads back to back. Um, I think that Evil Dead 2, I, I don't know. I think that it actually does. Like, I think that it gets, I think things get actually just way too goofy in Army of Darkness. And it's just like, it, it feels like I'm, it's like a, it's like a Looney Tunes or something like that. It's like not a horror movie. It's like some weird live action cartoon or something like that. Uh, um, but I think Evil Dead 2, like, does do pretty well with the horror elements and just straight up has more budget than Evil Dead and right. is able to be like more of a slick and big and polished film. Uh, um, I love the Evil Dead also, but I think people sleep on Evil Dead too a little too often. I feel like it's only the what? movies that I, you think that Evil Dead gets slept on more than Evil Dead too. Oh, absolutely, one thousand percent. I'm not so think, sure about that. I think I think Leslie might be right in that. More people probably respect Evil Dead 2 because I think that's where Sam Raimi really found that that campiness, and he never yeah, let it go. It's true. Evil Dead 1 is a legitimately terrifying film, but it also does feel a bit like a college project because it was. Yeah. He made it when he was like but 19. John yeah, but here I as think an arbiter, fine. as an arbiter stepping in between <laughs> us. Uh, I'm the I'm like, the centrist. There are of course good <laughs> points on both sides. Uh, uh, step back, step back, gentlemen. Of, step of back. course there are evil they're evil dead on both sides. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? Why don't all the listeners you make the decision? Like watch both films and Take the which Evil Dead is better challenge and let us know in the hashtag. I think uh, they'll on dunk Twitter. on us. I think they'll dunk on us and say the remake is better. Oh, actually, oh they, better they better not. They better not. I did the, like the remake. I did like the remake. It's not it's really movie. Evil Dead, but it is like a big. I don't know. It's cool. It's a big horror movie. Yeah, I like. Um, well, and we'll get down. The director of the Evil Dead remake has a movie that I picked, but we'll get there a little All right, bit. Cool. All right. Next uh, is my pick. Dead Girl. This is a indie uh, horror film that I saw and was completely and utterly blown away by. Very different take on the zombie uh, zombie genre. Um, very hard to watch at times. Very dark, but I think it's uh, just a really, really well done, low budget horror movie that just kicks you in the gut repeatedly. Um, just terrifying, brutal, horrifying, everything I love about uh, horror movies. Cool. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. It sounds cool. Uh, uh, it, like it's a, cool. If, if there's one film that I would recommend that I picked that I would say, you gotta watch this movie, is is definitely Dead Girl. Mm -hmm. I love this Isn't movie. Isn't it kind of like a love story too? From I've heard like it, kinda, it's kind of yeah. a romance. Kind of, kind of a ro romance. It's about these high schoolers who who um, go into an abandoned insane asylum and they find a dead girl who's still alive and don't want to spoil it uh, don't really want to talk about it because it's, all the things that happen of course are very terrible um, but yeah it's a really really fantastic horror um so I am up next now uh, uh, with good night mommy um which have you guys seen this movie do you guys see good night mommy I saw the trailer no, for I it. really wanted to see it I when think I saw it, the trailer like, it, it 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 works really well uh uh it's a film about a woman who undergoes uh, uh plastic surgery has you know facial bandages and uh her kids you know uh, uh become convinced that she's not uh, uh who she says she is and so it is this kind of weird I I, I don't want to like spoil it too much but I think that the the uh, uh, the way the story is told, it, it, it like does interesting things with like the structure of horror a little bit, uh, uh, and also it is just like a super fucked up and creepy uh, movie, uh, and you know it's uh, in in German, so it has that sort of extra intense element because of that. 
Yeah, extra creepy element because German is the creepy. Germany, yeah, Germany, they're like they're just barking all the time. It's like <laughs> it's creepier because it's little kids speaking German, which I'm like, I you know, I shouldn't be racist against Germans, but that is just a little bit creepy to begin my, with. <laughs> Once a my, year, my I wife see. is uh, my wife is fluent in German. She's gonna get mad at us. Oh boy, we'll <laughs> cut all she this says, out. Kate, she says, I'm a Jew. It's fine. We get to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, I picked Cape Fear. Uh, I picked the Scorsese version with Robert De Niro. Uh, while the old version with Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum is fun, Scorsese's take is is much, much spookier because no. you take sort of this inevitable Robert De Niro, Travis Bickley performance and you just take it to the conclusion, which is uh, a serial killer rapist slasher. Yeah. And so – Robert De Niro plays Travis Bickle as a, you know, as a, as, as Freddy Krueger. And it's just an awesome film. And of course you got Nick Nolte and Jessica Lange, a young Juliette Lewis. Uh, and then there's even cameos like Robert Mitchum and Gregory Peck play like supporting roles just for fun. And it's, I, I recommend both of the Cape Fear movies, but I would actually, you know, I go against the, uh, the, the movie purist and the historian's advice. I'd say watch the remake first, hmm. which is a, which is rare, but in this case, totally worth it. Fantastic fucking movie. And Jack, you picked it too. I picked it also uh, for all the same reasons that JDB did. I mean, I just like, I mean, you know, uh, uh, it's an excellent film. Uh, um, it's it's actually one, part one, uh, uh, one of the ones on the list that I'm like, am due for a rewatch of. Uh, uh, so I picked it because I remember liking this movie and want to watch it again. I, so it's interesting. I never thought of this as a horror movie. Oh, really? Never, I, I, because I, I, I remember when it came out, I always thought of it as like a 90s thriller. I mean, because we had like tons of those films from Cape Fear, Fear to Primal Fear, you know, we, sure. had, uh, we had tons of those movies. And I, I always thought it in the in that kind of vein, but it would be interesting to go back and watch it as like an actual horror, horror it's film. It's scary. I, I think it's a horror. I think it is like, a, I even think it's kind of structured like a horror. And, and, you know, maybe it's interesting because like maybe you guys saw, I was a little bit older when I saw it than you guys were. So maybe that's why part of the reason, because I'm a little mm. bit older than you, maybe that's part of the reason why you saw it as more a horror film as saw it mm. as more of like a procedural mm. sort of a thing you know but it, yeah. it would be interesting to go back and uh, watch there's, it there's also a great old Simpsons episode which completely recreates elements of both of the movies with Sideshow Bob and Bart it's fun yeah uh, uh-huh. next up is The Others which I picked unless you guys also picked it I don't know how much overlap we had <laughs> I didn't pick it The Others is rad uh as you've probably noticed, I pick a lot of ghost movies. I like ghosts. The Others is uh, is a great family psychodrama. It's it's Nicole Kidman in this. It's another period piece. I believe it takes. You know, it's been it's been a, a couple of years since I've seen it, but I believe it takes place in, in the you know the early twentieth century, and 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 it's a. Uh, Nicole Kidman's got these two kids and they can't go outside because they have this weird condition that can't they they can't uh interact with light at all. Uh, and so they're in this house and they believe they're being haunted by by these uh by the previous residents of this spooky mansion and uh, you know I don't want to spoil too much but it doesn't go in the way that anyone anticipates and part of what makes this film so powerful is that the cinematography is just insane and the sound design as well the acting is good and the, you know nick you know nicole kidman and her kids are perfectly creepy but the just the, the everything from the set design to the way that it's shot to the music and the sound it's it's it is a perfectly made film it's impeccable can't yeah. recommend it enough. I had to, I seen the others a ton of times because I had it on VHS and I loved it. I did, I really am not a big fan of ghost movies, but like this is one of the best ones. I think this film is really really uh, great. So a uh, great pick, JDB. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing this movie in theaters and being very scared by it, but I haven't seen it since then. So wow, another Go see it. exciting rewatch. All right, so next is uh, my pick, The Lost Boys. Fuck yes, I love this movie. Yes, the film that shows that Joel Schumacher fucking rules, actually. (laughs) Take that, you comic book nerds. Joel Schumacher (laughs) is a great director, and this film is just 
brilliant. One of the best vampire films of all time. It's so cool. It's so hip, but still being like so 80s. Like it's rare to be 80s and still be, you can look back and say, all those motherfuckers are cool. Kiefer Sutherland is such a badass in this. Like everything about this film is just so fun. It's it's very it's a very funny movie, but also like really scary at times too, yes. like really terrifying. I mean, like, you've got you've got the 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 weird, you know, the creepy California beach town. The, oh yeah, the, the Jim Morrison soundtrack. You've got all these staples. You got the two Corys. You got Jason Patrick. Uh, it is it is a deeply deeply eighties film. <laughs> it is a film that is very much part of its own time but in a way that enhances it. It's not a film that feels dated. It feels like a period piece now. And uh, I mean, Alex Winter as like one of the toady vampires, like every performance is memorable, whether it's the grandpa, whether it's the mom's new boyfriend. Uh, Maybe it's the, it's sax, the sax player. The sax player, <laughs> yeah. Everybody sticks out. And I, I think you're right. Like as far as, as, as movies that blend horror comedy and, 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 and hipness. It is a cool movie. It yes. is cool. It, it's, it's so funny because so many fi- so much film and TV tries to do what Lost Boys did, and none of them get it right. Like, none of them. Like, every other thing is trying to be like an 80s remake or whatever, but what they, ne- they never can get the coolness. They can never get as dark and as creepy. They can never be as naturally funny. This just captures the moment so much in such a perfect way like it's really really like breathtaking uh how you do it and i feel like if they tried to even if they tried to make this movie again they would get it all wrong well they, they did they tried a it wasn't schumacher but there was a two direct yeah. video sequels with Corey feldman and woof are they brutal yes but yeah don't lost boys those. love it love it so wow. great i haven't seen it for like many many years and i don't honestly remember it that well so i am excited another one that i'm excited write it to down rewatch yeah, cool, cool. All right, ne- uh, another pick of mine, uh, f- also from, yeah, I believe from the 80s, uh, 1986, From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. Uh, we had a, a Stuart Gordon, uh, he did Dagon last year, and a lot of people watched that and said that was one of their favorite um, films of the li- uh, of the list that, you know, they hadn't watched. Stuart Gordon is just basically like an auteur who just does all these Lovecraft movies, but he has this really own take he taught he covered I, I will said on on when he was a guest on our show will miniker he said you know Stuart gordon will talk about you know the sexuality which is always hidden in um hp lovecraft and that's very very much exists in this movie from beyond from beyond was a lovecraft story where uh the scientist is investigating these creatures from another realm and he's you know using like experiments with like electricity and stuff to make it so he can see these creatures and they're basically just these floating amoeba-like thing, giant amoeba-like things that are everywhere, all around us, but we just can't see them. And you mean like and, mitochlorians? Yeah, not quite. They're bigger. <laughs> they're like full, like size creatures. But like you know, of course, that doesn't go well for him. You know, all that getting in touch with all that forbidden knowledge. And this film is just—I think it's one of his better ones. He's re- he's most famous for Reanimator. I think from I think Dagon is his masterpiece, and From Beyond is probably a uh, second to it. So I, I can't recommend his uh work enough it's great tons of great effects in it tons of creepy weird stuff in it uh i, I definitely recommend this one. cool yeah here's my question about Stuart gordon uh how how does he pull it off how does he have such a consistent resume like very few filmmakers have the luxury of doing what he managed to do i mean the guy you know in the 80s i guess re- i mean i guess maybe it was just reanimator was such a, a hit that stood the test of time that he's just been trusted with that style of horror for 30 it, years. You know, it's a really like interesting question. Like how do you get to be like a B movie auteur in 2018? I don't right. know if you can. Anymore. I don't know if there is a way actually. Yeah. Cause you're pretty much just trying to work for Netflix. So it's just like the people that do the more expensive blockbuster stuff, just doing cheapy shit on the side. So it's not, you can't really just, just do this stuff is what it feels like to me. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I just maybe they're like maybe a maybe it's just that. But you know, if he, he has this niche that loves him, yeah, I guess it is something that could only 
that that yeah, they sold is a VH- Google thing. They sold VHS tapes. That's how that's how it yeah. works. He he sold. He would put out this video. They would sell them the video store for a hundred bucks a piece. Everybody would rent them, and then they would sell them to home video, and people would buy them because you had to buy movies back then. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe getting rid of all the physical media was a mistake. Yeah, just something to think just about. Quite quite possibly. <laughs> all right, and next up another hit uh, that uh, uh, from the same and uh, from sure. the, for the same reason. It, it, this is the reason why you know who David Cronenberg is. Scatters. Mm-hmm. I remember this movie like. I, I don't think I ever watched it, but I remember my dad like ha- bringing the videotape home and watching it when I was very, very uh, young. They, I'm, pre- he, I'm sure he didn't let me watch it. Uh, but sca- <laughs> uh, Scanners, of course, just um, maybe the best. Well, he Cronenberg has done so much, but certainly the most gift um, Cronenberg image of the exploding head from this film. Now, yeah. now to be fair, Scanners is possible. You can possibly look at Scanners more as a sci-fi film, like it's kind of like a sci because it's a bunch of about uh, about a bunch of uh, psychics who are you know appearing in the world and government agencies trying to track them down, and then some of the psychics are saying are doing the X Men thing where they're trying to you know use their powers for good, and some are doing the Magneto thing where they want to take it over. But this film is just so goddamn good. I really, really love it. And the end scene, I've never seen a better ending fight in a film. Where two people just sit in a chair across from each other and just, just shoot just, their brain waves. Yeah. Oh, it's so intense yeah, and so want. good, and the music is yeah. so perfect. It's just one of the most perfect uh, pieces of cinema yeah. that has ever been, you know, filmed. It's so, just so good. I also I think sh- this is another one of these ones where it's like, you know, effects back before we were doing computer visual effects can be all timers. Like the effects in this movie are so memorable. Uh, uh, and some, uh, you know, of course everyone has seen the one sequence of the man's head exploding. And that, I don't think that anything from, you know, the CGI era will endure quite as much as, you know, something that was built by people and exploded in real life in front of a camera. Right. I mean, you know, I was watching Hacksaw Ridge again, the the Mel Gibson, yeah. Andrew Garfield World War II movie, and I wasn't paying attention the last time I saw it, but there is so much CGI blood in this movie. There is way, way and too much CG blood in that movie, although CG, I do like the movie. The, the CG blood is bad, folks. It's bad. It's really, <laughs> it really bad. It's really bad. It doesn't bad. look real. And, like, squishing a watermelon is more realistic than the CGI <laughs> blood that we, yeah. we see so much. Like, yeah. throw, like, squish a chicken. Like, do anything. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Scanner is uh, amazing. Next up, uh, another pick of mine, Split. Um, I think most people are familiar with it. It came sure. out recently. A lot of people are talking about it. I just want to say I actually sat down and watched it finally uh, about a couple months ago. It was actually really, really good. Like, Shannon's a good re- director. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to... Uh, you know, just to get something more modern, if you passed it up because uh, it's Shyamalan or it didn't seem that interesting to you, I actually wasn't completely sold on the trailer. Some of it seemed a little cheesy to me. Watching it, actually, it didn't come across that way at all. Um, well, what's his name? James McAvoy. Fantastic performance in this. I think he's great yeah. in everything, but he like blows it away. Yeah, in this it's a good one. movie. I mean, I I saw it knowing the 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 spoiler, which I think now is like, like it's now they're making they've announced it's not a spoiler anymore. anymore, Right? It it wasn't a. I don't even think it's a spoiler. Really, I don't either. It has nothing nothing to do with the movie. It actually didn't bother me like at all knowing it ahead of time. In fact, it kind of made the movie better. Honestly, I was like, oh, cool, like that he's doing this cool little movie that's gonna build into something else. I swear, like. The M. Night Shyamalan superhero, you know, uh, uh, Unbreakable verse might be the only superhero universe that I am have any excitement about at all right now. Yeah, and, and I just want to feel like when I was watching this film, I, like it just felt so real and tactile and just the way he films stuff just shows that he gives a fuck. He is a good it. director. He really, I mean, 
He has missteps, but I, I don't know. I think pound for pound, you compare M. Night Shyamalan's movies against a lot of other directors. It's like, just because I think he gets a lot of shit because he's not bland. So many directors get a pass for just making like nothing but bland bullshit their entire career. And I don't know. M. Night Shyamalan has some all timers uh, and he's a good director. Yeah. Shyamalan is a, is a guy who, you, you know, I, I feel like he's one of the rare directors who needs a good creative team around him who is not or the rare auteurs who needs like a team. Like sure. he is somebody that can and should be reined in sometimes, but uh, you know, I, I, God, I sure don't like lady in the water, but I also think that uh, sort of this robot chicken, what a twist thing that he is now known for is a little unfair. Yeah. I think yeah. lady in the water would have been a perfect episode of like the new twilight zone yeah. that Jordan Peele is making. That's, that's like a, some of the problem is that a lot of his movies should be like episodes of like yeah. the outer limits. And th- I think that's part of his problem. Split. I don't think that count. I think Split that's was a, good. Split is a real ass movie. I definitely Rick. I, yep. I check it out. I mean, McAvoy McAvoy is one of my favorite, uh, of like the the forty something Gen X actors, like he is deeply deeply charismatic, and he was a really good Professor X too. I like the guy, I and mean, he's great in Atomic Blonde. I mean, I'll watch him in anything. I in Do- uh, Children of Doom, he who, he mm. ruled in that. I love James McAvoy; he's cool. Uh, next up is a really fun movie that I love a lot: Tremors. Barely a horror film. Uh, PG thirteen, not a lot of gore mostly comedy but it is a monster movie and it is a and it is an eminently quotable one i'm sure you've heard can you fly sucker can you fly uh it's kevin bacon in this uh town called perfection in the middle of nowhere on the west uh i believe nevada and there are these uh monsters that start appearing in this town of like 20 people and and they're called the the graboids because they grab people and so it's it's all about kevin bacon who is uh Basically, he's he's about to leave town when the monsters invade, and so him and his friends get all these these wacky townspeople together to survive and fight off the monster. And of course, it, it spun off like seven direct-to-video sequels, all starring the the redneck survivalist character who isn't Kevin Bacon, but the side there's a supporting character who's a redneck survivalist who uh, is just the funniest character in the movie because. He he's you know he's got this line where he talks about how he's prepared for everything from nuclear fallout to you know to to droughts, but he never expected <laughs> goddamn underground monsters. And uh, can't it, it's the CG or not the CG like the it's like they're puppets these worms and they look they look so dumb and yet despite that it's a movie that you you really come out of it grinning the whole time. Uh, if you if you need a little bit of a palate cleanser from from exploding heads and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, true psychological horror that chills you to the bone, then like watch Tremors. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just want to say like that idea that you always see in movies where like, all right, I'm leaving town, like. When do you get to do that in real life? When do you just get to like pack like one bag <laughs> yes. and just like go? Is when Maybe when I'm do we lose it. that? Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. All right, right I'm leaving Goodbye. town, folks. Yeah, it's it's a very very Hollywood trope where it's like you need a reason for the main character to protect these characters. So by creating this incentive that like he's just about to skip town forever in his pickup truck, which itself is like yeah, no, nobody moves like that i mean even my, my girlfriend just moved here from la she went back to new york like three times to do a bunch of different things like it's not how it works nobody just leaves texas chainsaw massacre i put on the list because uh, um while a lot of it you know i think it was uh, um obviously inspired a lot of horror uh, uh i i kind of like the sort of there's just something like very gritty and uh, uh, like nasty about the way Texas Chainsaw Massacre feels. I don't know if it's like the kind of like cheap film they used to film it in. I think this is a 70s film, it's right? 70s. Yeah, 74. Uh, uh, yeah, it has like a sort of like there's a real richness to that. And, you know, uh, it there's ju- it just feels gross and grimy. And uh, uh, 
you know, it's kind of packaged. I would say that it's a sort of typical just, you know, teens dying horror movie packaged around like one scene that I think is like truly just like deeply creepy and disturbing. Um, and yeah, I don't think that, you know, the franchise ever sort of got back to uh, uh or got, you know, anywhere close to, you know, what they did in this first movie. And it's kind of just because they were, like, making a cheap little movie running around. I don't know. I think it's a cool movie. I do actually like the remake and, like, the prequel. Uh, wow. I, like, I really enjoy both of them. Like, I don't think they're... I Like, for the time, like, for that, like, 2000-era horror film, like, I really thought they were pretty good and kind of mean, more mean-spirited than uh, some of the other stuff that was going on. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate the remake. But yeah, the fir- original, of course, is great, too. Yeah. You know, it is like... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out around the same time as Cannibal Holocaust. I mean, it's almost a Mondo film. It's oh, almost... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. Like, yeah, it, I, I guess you're right about that, that they do have a very similar feel, like this kind of Super 8 handheld kind of, you know, uh, uh, home video footage. Right. I mean, like they before... have this, well, I mean, obviously, Cannibal Holocaust is actually a found footage movie, but Texas Chainsaw kind of has a found footage feel without right. being a found footage movie. It's almost, it's a precursor to what eventually became the Blair Witch style, right. that, you know, and it's sort of ubiquitous now with yeah. cheap horror. Yeah. All right. And next up is May. This was my pick. Um, so this is a film about, you know, a really sweet, girl who is really lonely and a little bit troubled and things just get worse um from there like she i i i really like characters who you can feel deeply empathetic for and still be terrified of Mm -hmm. i I, and this film really really captures it i i don't know why more people don't talk about this film i i just randomly bought it at like walmart for five dollars and i was blown away it's one of the best horror movies i've seen lucky mckee is a really um really talented director who is very very uh, underrated. More people should be uh, talking about his stuff and his work. But yeah, I I love May. If you haven't seen May, run out and watch it. It's fantastic. Cool. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Never heard of it. Oh, oh wow! I, I've never seen this. That's at all. too bad. Oh man, yeah. it's 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 really really like quite good, quite gruesome and brutal. But also like there's a heart to it. Like it's not just about the brutality. You really. Cool will feel for this deeply fucked up girl while she's doing all these horrible things. All Interested right. in checking it out. Yeah. Uh, the Exorcist, I picked it, or didn't unless more than one of us picked it. I don't know if this is a mutual one, because it's such a kind of obvious choice. Yeah. And yet, it's I thought good. about picking I don't know if, did I pick it? Let me look at my DM, because I thought about picking it. I'm not sure if I actually I was, did. Thinking about either picking this or The Old, The Omen, and I went with The Exorcist because it is a better movie than The Omen, as much as I love The Omen. And I do like The Omen shitty sequels and the shitty Omen remake as well. Like, The Omen is fun. It's Satan, you know? It's Satan as a kid. Yeah. But as far as Satan as a kid movies go, what The Exorcist tapped into was not just, I think, the, the spookiness of, you know, the the... the Christian apocalyptic theology, but also the spookiness of the institutions of the church itself. Like the church is just as scary in the exorcist as the demon. And I think that, that makes it, uh, and adds an interesting wrinkle that the omen just doesn't get to. Uh, although Greg, you know, uh, I, it's interesting. I ended up doing like a comparison between the two. Cause I, I actually was really conflicted. <laughs> this took a while. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking, do I pick the exorcist? I, why not both? I don't know. Cause we only had a few <laughs> options. Uh, I, I the Exorcist I, I really like and think is really great. There never should have been another Exorcism movie. Agreed. None oh, yeah. of the other ones are good. Not and a the single fucking one. Fox show embarrassing. Oh, I actually heard that was good, but I, I, I get yeah, it's it's bad. Um, I mean, it's yeah, network TV. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I assume they were doing something different with it. That's why I assume they were like you know like the. Bates Hotel or like Hannibal or something. I thought they were just going to give like a different take on it to actually Kinda, work for TV. But it's it's pretty straightforward and drawn out, and it feels like it's designed to be canceled and put on some binge catalog in a couple of years. <laughs> That's too bad. But yeah, um, I hate Exorcism movies. I will I will never watch another one for the rest of my life except Have for you, The Exorcist. Do you ever see The Exorcism of Emily Rose? That was another one of the modern. It's not technically 
connected, but it feels sort of spiritually connected. They're all the same. Yeah, they're all they, the same. <laughs> they are. It, what difference does it make? No, that? I mean, it's, it is sort of like watching Gaudy after seeing Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes Gaudy is fun. Yeah, everyone loves Pitbull soundtracks, <laughs> but they're but they're not even. But the, you don't even get the fun with these, like because they're all just like propaganda for the Catholic Church, and then like not that scary horror, except for the exorcism. Ex- mm-hmm. Exorcism is the only one that's actually scary. Either of you seen Misery? By I've any seen chance? Misery. Yeah, oh, I've really a million times. Yeah, misery, really, really Misery is if you're a creative, if you're an actor, a writer, an artist, a musician. It doesn't matter if you do anything creative. This is the horror movie for you <laughs> because this is uh, almost a predictor of the modern era of toxic fandom. This is what sure. happens when someone becomes so obsessed with what uh, Shannon Strucci calls the parasocial relationships of media that uh, it literally breaks your mind. Kathy Bates is so fucking scary in this movie. <laughs> she is so scary. And, and of course, James Caan is a lot of fun, but you know he—it's he, a Rob Reiner movie, so don't 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 hold it against him. Don't <laughs> hold it against Stephen King. They're both terrible on Twitter. Just don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> there, it, there is no ethical uh, consumption under there, capitalism. Yeah, I think so. There's no ethical <laughs> '80s creators on Twitter under capitalism. Yes. So Paul Paul creates this uh, this hero in, in in a novel series named Misery Chastain, and so Annie, who is uh, Kathy Bates' character, is just obsessed. And so uh, Paul, the, the novelist played by James Caan, he crashed his car. She finds him, and uh, God, and, and then uh, she just does terrible, terrible things to him until he writes the book that she wants him to write. And ooh, uh, so good. Well, um, Jonathan, have you seen Perfect Blue? You know what? I was talking to our mutual friend Matthew, Matthew and uh, sure. and, and uh, Matthew J, and uh, he told me I have to check out Perfect Blue, and I haven't yet, and I feel pretty guilty. You know what? I think. Uh, uh, well, what's so interesting about it, Leslie? I see what you did here. I see what you did here with the list. By the way, uh, uh, you put uh, Misery and Perfect Blue right next to each other because Perfect Blue is kind of a anime j-pop version of misery i would say yes uh, is that is that a correct uh, uh, assessment oh, you'd say Leslie? yes it is they are yeah. they do share a lot of the themes a lot of ideas they're mm-hmm. very uh, close uh, uh related they're a good pairing mm-hmm. um i think per- but that's one of the things i like about um cone's work is that like he's really influenced by like American horror and procedural stuff. That's why. Mm-hmm. Well, that is uh, uh, that's very evident in Perfect Blue. Uh, uh, yeah. Perfect Blue is excellent. Similarly to what you were saying about Misery, is uh, uh, very related. I would say to this, like the modern world of fan culture that we have. And P- Perfect Blue, for a movie that's made in 1999, is actually extremely prescient about uh, uh, modern fan culture. You know, because this is a movie. You know, again, made in 1999, that is all about like someone you know creating a, a a fake internet persona for someone and then that sort of taking over and becoming more relevant and meaningful than her actual real persona um it's it's very like misery uh, uh, uh and i hadn't even thought about that connection but uh, uh i'm excited for everyone to check out perfect blue yeah i'm i'm in it i'm down and then uh, i also picked cube and I gotta be honest with you guys, like I just remember Cube is cool from when Cube I was younger. Is cool. This is one I've... of these ones that I'm like, I had a torrent of Cube when I was in high school. I don't remember it super well. And I'm like, I kinda wanna rewatch Cube, so Cube is, put it on the Cube, list. Cube's really interesting because it's it's uh it's almost a predecessor. It came out like I don't know, like seven no, like ten years before we had the uh the torture porn wave of the Bush era right. where you had Saw and you had Hostel and you had uh you know, every kind of like fucked up torture movie. And Cube Cube was in this psychological torture moment along with uh, the Jennifer Lopez movie, The Cell. And and they all came out around the same time. Cube is Canadian, another government funded film. And uh, it's super cheap. And it's just about a bunch of people trapped <laughs> in a bunch yeah. of cubes. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. And there's even there's two sequels. And uh, it's just it's it's. They're very surrealistic and they're very uh, personal and they're all about people doing fucked up things to each other to survive. 
I, I watch. I actually watched. I couldn't sleep a couple of nights ago, and I watched Cube, um, mm. and it's still good. Um, I really, re- it's a really, really well-made film. Just like it really just takes the concept and pushes it to the limit, and it's just such a terrifying concept because you can imagine yourself in that situation. And you think about what would you do? How would you get out of this? And I really, um, yeah. So this is a very good pick, Jack. Thank you. Thank you for complimenting my pick, Leslie. Yeah. All right, so next up, Cure. Um, everybody knows I love procedurals. Um, I can't pass up opportunity for a horror-leaning procedural by the other Kurosawa, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who I think is probably Japan's greatest living filmmaker. He's just made tons and tons of great, usually horror films, and this is generally considered his masterpiece. You're going to go in thinking it's you know kind of like a seven thing, uh, like David Fincher's Seven, but then it gets a lot weirder and a lot darker. Um, it's really, really good. Really, like kind of a slow burn. It, this is at the height of uh, Japanese cinema horror, and if you missed this one, you have to go back and watch it. Like they never re- made this like The Grudge or The Ring because they couldn't because this is so perfectly Japanese. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we're, you know, all of the a lot of the the. You know the the Japanese and Korean horror movies of the two thousands were very paranormal related, but this this seems pretty down to earth in terms of it doesn't you know I could be wrong. But. It is is very down to down to earth generally speaking, but yes, um, definitely check it out if you like something yeah. like Audition, um, you would love this. Yeah, I mean I checked that out after you recommended it, and I mean you like good movies. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, what did you think of Audition? Oh, I loved it, man. Oh, audition yeah. rules. It's spooky as hell. I mean, and, uh, you know, I'm a happy guy. It has, <laughs> if Marga hasn't seen it, you should tell her that's romantic. That's a good idea. Right. You should tell her it's a romantic comedy. Yeah. And I tried to do that with Kate, and, you know, the problem the is, like, switch. I, went, I tried, I'm like, Kate, like, let's watch this uh, Japanese uh, uh, romantic comedy, and, like, it just doesn't work. She's like, why would Jack be suggesting that we watch, like, a Japanese-language romantic comedy movie? Like, I think... I'm a big, yeah. I'm a big fan of slow burn horror, you know? Like, if... if uh, there, there are a couple couple good uh, slow burn horrors that didn't make it onto the list that I watched, like Summer of 84, which is a really fun twist, but wasn't really good enough to justify uh, inclusion. Just be, but, but, maybe uh, next year, maybe next yeah, year. Yeah, maybe, maybe next year. Maybe we'll get lucky next year. <laughs> All right, and next up, uh, let's see. Oh, another one of my pick, The Babysitter, which... McGee! Which I do have to say, to be fair, was barely good enough to make it on. But I, I when I, I didn't expect much going in watching it, I actually didn't know it was McGee. I'm actually a huge McGee fan as far as, like, <laughs> Fast Lane goes. I think that was one of the best TV shows of that era. You're a McGee fan? I'm a McGee fan. <laughs> I like we, McG- we found the McGee fan? McGee's Full good. throttle, baby. Look, I, I think he... I, so so I don't like Charlie's Angels. I don't like his Terminator movie. Okay. But I like Fastlane. I will go to bat for Fastlane. I think anybody who made Fastlane has to have some talent. He also just, made Chuck. It's just Hollywood. And Chuck is pretty good. I, I like think. Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's got some talent. He just needs to you know be able to use it. He, the Babysitter is one of these 80s throwbacks that doesn't quite become as cool as like the lost boys but it does have something going for it it's a lot it's really bloody a lot more violent than you expect um a lot more cynical than you expect the humor the quips and the humor are actually kind of funny and pointed because mick g does get pop culture and how to do pop culture references properly like i just put it on netflix one day didn't expect much from it and it turned out to be actually pretty good um so i uh, don't go with high expectations this isn't one of the great horror movies of all time but this is probably like the best horror movie on netflix right now all right, what's up next? Uh, don't breathe. Don't breathe. It's uh yes. I picked this movie. It's directed by a guy named Fede Alvarez who made the Evil Dead remake and it's great. Uh it is the opposite of a home invasion movie. It's about uh, three young crooks in Detroit who all have their reasons either sympathetic or not to break into this old blind veteran's house and rob his safe. 
And uh, they made a mistake because he really knows how to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting about, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it has one of the most gruesome third act twists. And it's very common with my picks. I like twists. (laughs) Uh, It has a very gruesome third act twist that flips the entire thing on his head because for most of the movie, you're going to watch this movie and go like, well, they are like, they are robbing this guy. <laughs> like, it's weird when the victims are, are you know, the perpetrators and the, 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 the terrifying monster is just the guy who is what you think is protecting his house. Uh, and uh, that's all I'm going to say. You should definitely watch it. Uh, and it, it's scary as fuck. Like, and it's really gory. Um, and they're going to make a sequel. So I hope that is not shitty. Cool. All right. Yeah, I watched it. I thought it was pretty good, too. Um, good pick. Next, this is my sleeper pick of the thing. This is a movie that no one's heard about, no one cares about. Apparently, everybody who saw it hated it, except for me. But I watched it, and I was blown the fuck away. Um, nothing left to fear. Um, it was never one heard of it. Never heard of it. It was filmed in Louisiana. For Somehow, it had Clancy Brown and Anne Heche in it. And... I went in just thinking it was going to be like another bullshit exorcism movie, and you know how much I hate those. But I w- it is actually a secret, like Lovecraftian huh. cult film. Hmm. I was really like shocked by how much I ended up enjoying this. It's very different than what even the trailer um, portrays. It's a lot darker. It's a lot more cynical. It's it's. I really do recommend this film. I think it actually is a really well made horror film that was not marketed the way it should have been, not perceived the way it should have been. And like, I I love anything that really, you know, really captures that idea that like, you know, the world is hell and like we are ruled by, you know, demonic forces that either care nothing for us or antagonistic towards us. And this film really, you know, gets that. Um, So (laughs) I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Wow. Sounds cool. Oh, man. You know what's interesting about, uh, you said it was shot in Louisiana. When a movie gets shot in a small town, uh, the people who live in that town will remember that movie forever. That's something I learned uh, when I was in Maine a couple of months ago, is that almost everybody in this little town in Maine uh, talked about how there was this just HBO movie that I, I totally forget which one it was, but I think Dylan, Dylan McDermott was in it. And they were talking about how I heard like three or four different times how Dylan McDermott was in, was in town in 2005. Like when the entertainment industry shows up to a town to make a movie, you know, uh, people remember. So like if you're, if you're on crew or an actor or a writer and you're going somewhere and you're filming there, like be nice to the locals <laughs> because they will never forget you. Yes. All right. Next, another pick of mine, Soul Station, which was a companion uh, anime for a uh, Train to Busan, which oh. was a Korean huh. uh, horror movie. But this is you, it's getting you, a remake. Yeah, but you remember when like you know movie studios could afford to like commission like an anime? Yeah, like, like animatrix. <laughs> like every an, movie or, should still have an anime. Yes, Riddick like, had all of those yeah, great anime spinoffs. Yeah, yeah Riddick had a really Fury. Great, yeah Dark Fury is really good. This is another one that's really, really good. I just put it on Shudder one day, not expecting much, and it's just a really good-ass, like, horror uh, anime. It's, like, really, like, there's no, like, there's no bullshit, all right? It's just, like, a straight-up, like, horror film, and um, really fucked up, really cool. I, I would definitely recommend it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, American Psycho. I picked American Psycho. Uh, uh, and it's kind of it's one of the normie picks, I think. Uh, uh, and I, you know, it's I guess it's questionable as to whether or not this qualifies as a horror, but I think it does. Uh, it's, a, it's a horror movie. I would say, if anything, I mean, sure, it's satirical, but so much horror is. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's worth watching American Psycho uh, again with fresh eyes because, you know, these are the boomers. These are the people that are going to be alive for the next, like, 40 years uh, uh, controlling our lives. Like, this is what their generation is like. Brett Brett Easton Ellis tried to warn us. Yeah, he really did. He he references Trump uh, like a dozen times in the book American Psycho and Trump is Patrick Bateman's hero and that is for a reason. He didn't just pull that out 
then there, he was in New York. He hung out with financial guys. Right. And, and he we knew what to, was up. And we talked a little bit about this in our premium episode about uh, Brad Easton Ellis and Less Than Zero. But, uh, you know, it's not just a condemnation of the boomers. It's also it's also a finger pointed directly at Generation X for yeah, being absolutely. complicit and falling absolutely. into their parents' footsteps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think it's... it's it, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I don't think Gen so. Z. I think he likes Gen X. Brady Sanders likes Gen X. Well, he parties with them. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, li- he likes he, he likes his Gen X. He, these are uh, he he generally likes Gen X because he thinks they're um, he thinks the generation after is generation wuss. He thinks we're all wusses. That's what he call millennials generation wuss. He like he, he like <laughs> he, he likes Gen X because they weren't too hung up on like certain th- he, he's not a big fan of like pc and you can't say this you can't say that and of course as we talked about on the show that comes from the fact that when he was like 24 he wrote american psycho and before it was published it got canceled from yeah. people by because people complained about it how racist how sexist racist misogynistic well, you know, it was when it was actually an anti-racist anti- christian sexism. bale christian bale defied his stepmother to uh to make this film because Christian Bale's stepmother, uh, I believe, <laughs> I believe is Gloria Steinem. <laughs> so oh yeah 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 it is Gloria Steinem yeah and like he and Brett talks about this a lot like he he was really glad that a female director who's a you know staunch feminist Mary Heron directed this film because she understood the book she understand. The, the humor by it. She understood yeah, uh, that it was satire. She understood that it was not glorifying, you know, Patrick Bateman. It was indicting the entire Reagan era culture. Yeah, Mary Heron, another. A lot of the great horror directors are Canadian. It's really interesting. Hmm. Maybe because they have that program there. Maybe because they. Uh, yeah, maybe because they can afford <laughs> to become filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, the Shining is up next, and The Shining is just one of the best movies of all time. Uh, uh, and, you know, Stephen King is wrong. I think Stephen King is wrong about this film. Uh, uh, I think he's, frankly, I think he's being a little ridiculous. Just like how, like what Sarah Silverman said at the DNC. I'm like, you're being ridiculous, Stephen King. Uh, uh, because I think he is a little ridiculous about it. Like, this is... Uh, uh, one of the best of... I, I really do think it's an all-timer. Um, it's super creepy super fucked up um and yeah it's just it's a terrifying movie on a it just feels like there's something terrifying at the core of like our culture in <laughs> is what's at the core of the shining or something like that i also thought parzival was great and uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Well, of course, I, I was, really enjoyed all of the CGI. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, and yeah, I, I, I recommend the best way to watch The Shining is to cut in the scene from Ready Player One <laughs> in the middle of the film. You have to just take that and put it in there, uh, and it actually fits in really nicely. I actually, I think it's really funny. I think fifty years from now, if we're gonna have like a virtual reality movie where they go into the Schindler's List world, it will feel as appropriate as that Shining scene felt. <laughs> it is so. Actually, that would be it's really a fuck funny. you to Kubrick it, to do that. It really is. It really is. It's not nice for Steven to do that to his friend. That that's supposed to be his friend, and he knows that. You know, he knows Stanley wouldn't have liked that. And those guys, like, who wrote that movie? It was the guy that wrote like X Men or whatever. Yeah, the I think it was guy. like Zach Penn. Or- like Zach Penn. Yeah, Zach Penn. I read some interview with them where they were like we didn't think steven would go for it and like he did it and i'm like you steven you don't just do it because fucking zach penn wrote it in like one <laughs> shitty draft like steven you can't be doing that steven oh um, well, this is the guy who did anyway. his proteges are you know michael bay and uh yeah. colin trevorrow so <laughs> it would be really funny to cut the shining and just take like take little sequences from the Ready Player One, so make it look like it's happening concurrently with the movie The Shining. Brutal. <laughs> All right. So next, The Invitation, my pick. Uh, this is by Karen Kusama, another uh, Karen Kusama, another underrated um, horror director. Because she's, she's great a, because she's a woman. But, uh, let's be out there, just like Mary Heron. Mm-hmm. Um, like they. They don't get the respect they deserve, um, either from the fans or certainly not from the industry. Like, sure. Karen Kusama's 
career was just basically like ruined because of Aeon Flux, which is not that like a bad of a film. I don't. She's think. working again. She's got something coming out. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Thankfully, she's uh she's she's gotten back uh she's gotten back into the swing of things. And this film was actually I think was really the thing that really you know really helped because it was um not a very expensive movie, but I think it actually did you know take off it was on netflix and i think it was really popular on there and that is the invitation mm. where it's just this kind of um i want to it's basically like a very la horror film because yes. la has not is nothing but as far as i know nothing but house parties um <laughs> big houses and sure. cults um mm-hmm. and yeah. that's basically what this film uh covers and kind of takes to its natural uh extremes i feel like it has a lot of thematic connections and maybe it's just because uh they're both such they're both sort of similar like dinner party low budge uh you know uh character pieces uh it, there's a connection to would you rather i feel spiritually with these two films yeah it could, where, yeah you know it's it's all about the emptiness of putting a bunch of people in a room together who have nothing in common but their need for more money and validation. Yeah, there it, there is some similarity there. Um, this made me ne- so this made me afraid to ever accept the invitation from <laughs> anyone in Los Angeles. So if you do move down there and I don't show up at your party, this is why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Just check and see if they're part of the Sea Org first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, like you can the, tell when they're dressed like a sailor, <laughs> and like it's really good. Um, yeah. All right, and next up we had Invasion of the Body Snatcher. Ooh. So yeah. I actually did not pick this one. I have not seen this one. Rob Rousseau, ah, uh, former get uh, two time guest of the show, sent us a DM and said he wanted mm. to talk about this movie. So we had it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's great. I have seen it. I, it's really this is the uh, this is the, the Donald Sutherland. It's a Donald one, Sutherland. Right? Yeah, one. No, it's really thing. really yeah. good. The seventies one is my favorite one. It's it's probably. I mean, the fifties one is like a pretty typical B movie, and it. Yeah. But the seventies one is. I would say that this is an anti-capitalistic film. It is very in the vein of the Stepford Wives, which also was you know. Uh, a takedown of suburban white culture. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is about how people change when they, you know, when they get their fuck you, I've got mine. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And All right. the pod so, people, to me, okay, oh, sorry, go we're ahead. We're going to do ahead. a whole episode about this one, right? Yeah, yes. yeah so we can save so it. So I'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm look, I am looking forward to seeing it very much. Yeah. All right, next JDB. Oh, man. So, you know, look. If you haven't seen Hereditary this year, see it. I think just that's all we have it. to say. That's all we have now. to say. Yeah, just that's see it. all just I'm going to say. And you know what? We're, we don't really fall. Uh, all I'll say is we don't fall for the prestige horror trick on yes. this show. We no. talked We're about not it in those previous people. episode. We're not those people. And we are saying that Hereditary is very good and that you should watch it. Yes. yes. This and then, um, and then it, afterwards, watch Mandy. I've heard that. It's very that. good. <laughs> just heard, just came out so yeah i heard that's very good but yeah hereditary i got a chance to watch it might be all-timer might be all-timer so i think it might be the best horror movie i've seen maybe in 10 years wow it's it's really dope really dope it's really good and rounding us off of course on halloween we're gonna watch halloween it's uh, an easy pick. Easy pick. John Carpenter's <laughs> classic. You got the uh, sequel, the true sequel, uh, coming out soon. And yeah, are you excited? Do you think that uh, that McBride and Hill can pull it off? I think so. I think they can pull off something. Um, I think they can pull up something interesting. I mean, look, I like those new really Scott like Alien movies. Why? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't the Halloween be at least as good as whatever else is coming out? It's that's, interesting. That's kind of how I look at it we're we're in the middle of like you know we've got two very almost uh spiritually similar uh 70s and 80s sequels coming out around the same time where you've got the halloween movie where jamie lee curtis is coming back and you've got the terminator movie where linda hamilton is coming back and we're we're sort of seeing these action hero the action girls of the 70s and 80s are becoming the action grandmas <laughs> jamie lee curtis in the trailer for the new one looks like she's just uh, about to go on like a killing spree herself She's in ass-kicking, cigar-chomping mode. (laughs) 
Um, I haven't seen it in forever. I haven't seen Halloween since I think high school, perhaps. Uh, uh, so I'm excited to give it a, another watch and, uh, you know, I, watch the new one probably too. Yeah. And it's nice to watch and also not think too much about the mythology because I think Halloween, you know, was originally supposed to be an anthology series and then it got bogged down into who is Michael Myers? How did Michael Myers come to be? Right. Who are his parents? Who is the, you know, how does, what is Dr. Loomis's, you know, grandfather <laughs> like? Like, I, it doesn't matter. Just like, he's a crazy guy with a fucking, you know, mask. <laughs> it's, that's what makes the movie great. All well, right. That, and well, that brings us full circle. We yeah, a guy we in a mask uh, uh, to a guy in a mask. Oh, oh, I, I did want to do a little bit of a self plug because uh, I acted in, in a low budget horror movie oh. myself a few months ago. And it is premiering at Scream Fest at the uh, Chinese Theater in Hollywood on October 17th and 8 p.m. And a uh, fun fact about the Chinese Theater is that it is now owned by TCL, which is a Chinese holding company. So the Chinese finally got the Chinese Theater back. Yeah, it's the actually Chinese It's theater. actually Chinese now. <laughs> the actually Chinese-owned theater. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be there. Uh, I haven't even seen the movie yet. I just found out that the movie was playing on Instagram. That's how out of the loop I am. So <laughs> well, That's great. Come come by, and I'll say hi. Cool. All right, cool, cool. Well, all right, everyone. Um, so keep it up with us. Uh, we're going to be posting about these films. Uh, you know, engage with us. Give us those retweets, those faves. Come yes. in the Discord. We'll be chatting about I need about the hearts. This. I need the little hearts. Yeah, keep those hearts going. Um, thank, uh, follow along with us, and, you know, have fun. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Peace. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.